0: Welcome to Pocket Change, brought to you by the Making Sense Podcast. This series consists of short, sharp episodes, either covering a technical topic or giving you an understanding of a recent event in the news. This is where we make it all make sense. Kick back, relax and enjoy. However, remember this is not financial advice. Please do your own research or get help from a certified financial advisor. As always, thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to Pocket Change. Uh, Welcome to episode two. I hope you enjoyed the first one. If you haven't listened to the first one, please go back and listen to it. Let us know what you think of them. Uh, It can be changed. It's new. And, you know, similar to Making Sense, we want to kind of grow it with your engagement and your feedback. So please help us out. Thank you. Much appreciated. Uh, Today, I'm going to go through liquidity. I thought it'd be good to go through considering what's happening. What liquidity is, is the ease in which an asset can be converted back into cash without its value being adversely affected. So for instance, if i've got a you know a really exotic painting that's worth a lot of money if i need to sell that really quickly because i need to pay someone some money tomorrow i might have to take a massive discount because those things generally take longer to sell whereas if i have something that generally more people would want it'd probably be easier for me to find a buyer could be more of them that asset would be considered to be more liquid how easily can you trade that asset the main reason why you want to have that uh, speed is so that you can pay any debts that you have when they fall due. One of the main things to remember within finance and financial literacy, when you start uh, accumulating debts, it doesn't mean good things for you or for or for businesses. Um, you know, you go down the risk of not being able to raise more debt. Uh, then it goes all the way down to people repossessing or you know foreclosing your company because you owe too much money. So, you know, generally you want to be able to pay your debts as and when they fall due. And that's one of the key things in business. Um, from a liquidity standpoint and the main reason why i think it's so important you can be profitable and not have cash and quite interesting being an accountant you know a lot of the early stuff you're taught is very much focused around profit and loss Um, you have the balance sheet as well but the profit and loss account or or income statement as it's called now was definitely the more the most uh, focused on balance sheet while very important you know it was kind of more of a technical thing anyway so with the liquidity, you know what it is, it's how easy can you convert an asset into cash without affecting its value or without without having to reduce the value a lot to get rid of it quickly. As you can imagine, the most liquid asset to have is cash. You, know, you can convert cash into cash. Um, however, I could definitely see a time where, you know, say we have negative interest rates, it might be better to hold something else other than cash. You know, it, people may not want cash at some point, but you know, now we're going for a tangent. So generally, as you say, as I was saying, so for an asset to be liquid, it generally needs to be more universally used. So the more people that use it or are in the market for it, the easier it will be for you to get rid of it, the more liquid it would be deemed. Everybody uses cash at the moment or for now. Um, so that is definitely deemed to be the most liquid asset. And everything is generally converted back into cash. And then can be moved on to someone else to, or exchange for goods or services. So there's two types of, uh, liquidity. You have market liquidity and financial liquidity, or sometimes known as accounting liquidity. First one, market liquidity, that is basically looking at an entire market. So let's look at the stock market, for instance, and it's looking at, okay, how easy is it to do transactions? How that would be measured in the stock market, for instance, is something known as the spread or the bid arc spread. It's basically what are people willing to pay for an asset and what are people willing to sell an asset for. The closer that is, obviously the easier it is to do transactions. You know, if I'm willing to pay, you know, five pounds and you're willing to accept 495, we're kind of close. Versus if I'm willing to accept five pounds and you're only willing to pay me three pounds, we got a gap there and we got to negotiate more. So it's harder to do the transaction, takes longer, it's slower. So yeah, that's market liquidity. Um why that would be important for you, I think. If you're invested in in that kind of market and then something happens and you need money really quickly, like right now. You know, so for instance, you're a musician, uh, you can't get onto none of the festivals this year because they're unlikely to happen or will probably be a lot smaller. Um, If you had an amount invested in a very illiquid market, it'll be harder for you to get that money out to now pay for your day-to-day living. Why I think it's important is, is understanding of... Where your wealth is, what kind of market is it in? What you know, how easy is it for you to get back out again? Uh, depending on you know how much money you need to live day to day, but I think it's just about knowing where your money is and and to make sure that aligns with how you want to use your money or how, you, how you may need to use your money in the near future. I think that's kind of where I'm coming from. Next point is financial uh, liquidity, and that's essentially looking at companies, and it's looking at how you know how prepared or how easily. Can they pay their debts as and when they fall due? And it's kind of just looking at the total amount of debts that they have and the amount of assets or liquid assets that they have and comparing it as a ratio. So I won't go into it because it's a bit more technical. I and mean, Maybe we can do a separate one on these. But actually, no, I'll do it here. So you've got three uh, liquidity ratios, which, you know, if you study accounting, you'll be taught at some stage. But I think definitely as a new investor or someone who's, you know, just investing in general if you're going to invest in a company per se and not maybe a fund an individual stock i think it'd be worthwhile for you to understand how liquid they are because liquidity is something people are going to need right now unless they're you know one of the firms that are benefiting from uh, what's going on right now so you you know an amazon or something like that i think most traditional investments especially if you're maybe taking a risk on something that's recently gone down in the hope that it's going to go back up again i think it's worthwhile understanding how liquid that firm is and how they'll be able to you know survive the next 18 months or so i think that's why liquidity is quite important so the three issues are current ratio and that's essentially taking all your current assets so any assets that are short-term in nature so under a year um it's generally like cash money people owe you that kind of cash equivalent things that you can convert into cash in less than a year let's call it that so your current assets and you divide that by your current liabilities your current liabilities are the same it's debts that you have to pay back within the year okay generally with all these ratios you want them to be above one and that's just that's your current ratio the next one is known as your acid test ratio and it's the same as the current ratio the only thing is it's more strict so they remove certain assets that are deemed to be not very liquid So I think it removes inventory. So yeah, for instance, if you've got stocks, you know, in your current ratio, you can include that as a a current asset because you expect to sell those stocks within the year. In the asset test ratio, we're removing that. So we don't care how much stock you have because we think if it's a real crisis and you need to convert the money fast, you need, you know, what's the acid test? How quickly can you, you know, react? So you take out inventory because it's deemed to be the least uh, liquid of those kind of current assets, right? And once again, you want that to be above one. And the next one was a new one. I didn't learn when I was um, studying this stuff, but I saw it today when I was researching, and it's called the cash ratio. And it kind of just removes everything that isn't cash from the current assets. So literally, you're taking the company's cash position and dividing it by their current liabilities or their current debt. And that's pretty interesting because I think right now, yeah, you know, if you got to try and survive the next three months, you know, I'm not, I don't care about what assets you got can convert in a year's time. You know, I kind of want to know what you can convert right now. If you're being extremely prudent, that is. So those are the three ratios. Um, Hopefully you remember those. Um, I'll probably put some visuals on socials so you can see them written down. So don't worry if you didn't. And I hope those explanations made sense. But, you know, if you are looking at companies you want to invest in and you're reviewing their accounts, which I think you should, this is the kind of stuff you can start doing. Um, There may be some of these investing platforms do this stuff for you. But then even if you see it, you know what it is. Um, and yeah there you go so those are your three kind of liquidity ratios that's how you test and see how liquid a a potential company you're going to invest in is going to be cool so that's kind of the more technical side of it now this part will be the kind of more you know why it's relevant to today part and that's kind of how i think we'll do these we'll give you a technical topic and then kind of let you know how it's relevant to today Cool, so there's several sectors at the moment facing big uh, liquidity issues. Um, the property industry, most people are working from home, which means offices are empty, which means companies are saying, hey, we no longer need these. Um, and with social distancing, um, there'll be you won't be able to have as many people in an office. Now anyway, so they'll probably start having, move into more like using shared working spaces. So I think companies will have their own WeWork offices or will actually use WeWorks. I think that's what was, what's gonna will happen. I thought that for some time and I, I definitely see it materialising now. So I think there'll be less need, less demand for offices. So it'll be vacant. So I can imagine, you know, Oxford Street, Central London, you know, Liverpool Streetway changing, um, maybe becoming residential blocks or some other use of the property. But it won't be offices. Um there just gonna be less offices in the future, I think, for sure. Um, travel industry um, mainly business travel you know uh, a lot of companies just aren't traveling um, and are kind of thinking of doing things over teams rather than sending people on expensive flights me personally i think that will come back i think both of these will come back to some degree because while you can replace property and travel with you know teams or zoom or you know skype or whatever it may be you shouldn't be using skype in this day by the way physical interaction i think uh i think it's going to be needed to build like culture and camaraderie within a business and within a firm um so i think like most things you know everyone's going to rush and you know go straight to putting everything in 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 teams and eventually have to start doing more face-to-face as they realize it's harder to manage those things but that's just my view on it anyway so don't listen to that if you don't think it's right but anyway Uh, Restaurants, Uh, so at the moment, obviously, we've got a lockdown, no one's going to restaurants. Um, Like most industries that are impacted right now, they could, you know, kind of make up for this by selling more online. So doing more business on Deliveroo and Uber Eats and, you know, they could argue that there's more people at home, you know, I think, yeah, it's tough because, you know, obviously Uber Eats and Deliveroo take their cut, so I don't know how easy it will be for them to replace. The the money you used to earn in their restaurants was simply just doing more on Uber Eats. I don't think it's as easy to switch from one to the other. I think you have to be good online to do that. But anyway, then you have influencers. So this was an interesting one. Uh, Pinterest have actually reported uh, a drop in revenue. And it's mainly because people aren't advertising at the moment. Uh, People aren't spending at the moment uh, because, you know, they're trying to preserve their cash. so yeah there's less people aren't buying people aren't advertising you know there's less marketing budget right now or, or you know if you're a finance director that's maybe one of the budgets you're stripping back right now so anyway people aren't advertising on Pinterest they're not going to be advertising with influencers that much so you know influencers um, any live events they would go to obviously and that's going to also impact uh, musicians which is a very interesting one for me um, you know I have a feeling that there's a lot of musicians a lot of Famous and big musicians who are probably struggling right now uh, Especially depending on how they earn their income You know, from how I look at it you have people that maybe earn a majority of their income from streaming And they're probably doing really well right now And they'll have more travelling acts that earn their money from live shows And right now, there's no income for those guys Now you can say, and me and John had a conversation around this That they could, you know, offset that by doing more streaming because there's generally more streaming going on at the moment, I'd imagine anyway. I haven't seen any figures, but I imagine there are. But once again, the same thing with the restaurants. I don't think it's, you know, will be as easy to flip. I don't think it'll be a one for one personally, but you know, that would be interesting to see, but definitely how they earn their money uh, will be impacted. And I think quite a few of them will actually be struggling full stop. Uh, Bringing it out to a more, you know, everyday level. I think contractors as well will be uh, impacted especially depending on what kind of contractor you are. If you work on more discretionary type projects, or, you know, I think spending in those areas could fall as companies decide to reduce how much, you know, they're spending on capital improvements and kind of more research type products, uh, projects, sorry, and start focusing maybe more on efficiency projects to, you know, cut costs or be able to scale cheaper or how to transform their business to react to what's going on at the moment. Those kind of projects might still be going, but you know, more exploratory kind of projects, looking at ideas and stuff, may get dropped out. Uh, so yeah, if depending on what kind of contractor you are, yeah, definitely the next, I don't know, three to six months to however long this could go on, could be a bit hard. Um, but yeah, you know, if you've been financially prudent, you probably built up a buffer, and you should be good. And good luck to you, out there. One thing I was thinking, or question I asked myself is. Well, a question I thought somebody may ask was Why don't companies Big companies Just keep large amounts of cash You know, I saw a meme a little while ago I actually reposted um, Saying that, you know Most of these big companies Are struggling to survive for the next three months But you expect everyday people to have Three months' salary saved up And I think it was pretty interesting uh, Simply because, you know, I'm definitely an advocate Of building a rainy day fund I think, you know it's one of the first things I think somebody should do on their financial financial literacy journey is build that rainy day fund that um, I think it provides you the freedom to do certain things, which is so important in life. But once again, that's just my opinion, my hipster opinion. Bear with me. But yeah, I do recognize that for some people it's not easy, you know, uh, for some people it's not easy to do that. The, the, the cost of living compared to what they're earning just doesn't allow them to save that amount. Um, and and you know one of the things that's kind of being looked at now uh, is universal basic income, which we spoke about years ago, a year ago, shall I say, not to be too dramatic. Um, and I think we're looking at a lot of things that we thought were ideas six months ago. People are asking the question again, you know. And universal basic income is one of those, you know, in a way to give people some extra cash. Hopefully, that they would save and build that rainy day fund. Some people won't, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, the main reason why. Big firms uh, wouldn't have large amounts of cash just on them. Some do, so likes so or I think it's, I think Amazon have quite got a lot of cash. Apple have got loads of cash. And, and right now, those are the businesses that will do well. Because, you know, where things are going for cheap, they've got the cash to service their debts and buy cheap assets. So they should generally be doing fine. And anyone who's in a good cash position right now, it, you know, is doing very well, you know. So if you have been able to get yourself into a good, good cash position, well done keep focused and let's see what else we can do you know how you can take advantage of what's you know about to happen but yeah here's the reasons why some wouldn't be so they don't generate cash Uh, a lot of companies um, can be very successful but don't generate cash Uh, the likes of Uber, Lyft, uh, Tesla you know some of these big companies the only reason they survive is by raising new investment they actually aren't profitable so they generally have to raise capital or raise new debt. That's how they that's how they survive. And the idea of that is people are investing because they think at one point they're going to be really big and become uh, profitable and and, and just start generating cash sometime in the future. Uh, the next one would be they do generate cash, but they they invest it. Depending on your view of life or of business, you might think it's inefficient to keep all that cash in the bank. You you may think that it should be out there doing something to make the business better for the future or to make the business earn more money so you'd be investing in either doing new projects buying new businesses or just investing in something you're, you're in the money somewhere where you think it's better than just leaving it in a bank and that's similar to you know kind of what people get told to do as well you know you know you've got people that have got hundreds of thousands millions of pounds in low interest accounts and you'll have financial advisors telling them to put it in investments because it, it could earn them more money. So it's a similar kind of principle. The next one would be they generate cash, but they don't manage it well. Like a simple example of this is that they pay their suppliers a lot quicker than the customers are paying them. So the money's going out the door faster than it's coming in. Your balance of cash is only gonna go one way, which is down, which means you'll have to take out more debt. And that's kind of why you'll have big companies that have been around for years, are profitable, you know, really established, but are struggling when it comes to having cash for the next 3 months because they've just survived on on debt or you know or various other types of things it's not on the amount of cash they have which is very interesting another thing about business you know a lot of them don't actually have much cash uh, one another point i thought would be interesting to add on to this would be that for me right now the main way the liquidity issues companies are facing um, is by giving them more debt. Um, and I think individuals too, you know, so uh, what is, there is a scheme, let me see, what's it called? What is it called? Yeah, the Coronavirus Business Interruption Loan Scheme or the CBILS. The CBILS is basically a scheme where I think around 60 lenders can provide government-backed, sorry, government-backed debt to uh, business, small businesses are suffering in the coronavirus so yeah google that you know for your small business and uh, you can go on the .gov.uk uk website and then i actually have a link for this you can fill out this kind of questionnaire or let you know what you could be eligible for uh with help with coronavirus so i'll put that in, a, in the show notes but yeah my concern there is you know as much as i imagine a lot of that debt will be cheap right now um just amassing a large amount of debt what does that do to the company's health, financial health in the future and I think it's the same issue that we need to ask as a country because generally a lot of these schemes are being funded by the UK taking on more debt or well, that's the expectation um, and what does that mean for the for the nation going forward in terms of you know potentially seeing austerity again uh, which Boris Johnson has mentioned today on the 7th of May that we wouldn't see uh, or at least that's when I saw it on, on YouTube but. You know, it's a simple question to ask then well, how, how will this be financed in the future when we have to pay the, the interest on this increased debt? All right. So then this leads me to kind of my last bit, and it's kind of what I'll call like personal liquidity and is the main reason why I did this episode. Um, I, I think, as I say, you see what companies are doing to try and survive uh, the coming recession or pandemic crisis, whatever you want to call this economic downturn, however they call it, this current you know, period of stress let's let me call it that financial stress. You know, this period of financial stress is by you know preserving their cash and building up a buffer to survive not having income or having a reduced income for a significant period. And I think individuals should be doing the same thing. Um, I think you know, we're seeing loads of people, I think it was something like a third or something like that, some crazy amount of UK workers have been put on furlough and you know, you know what that, there's, there's no guarantee that you get your job. I'm really hoping that many of them do. I really do. I hope everyone on furlough gets their job back. But I just, I you know, it's I, I doubt it. You know, firms are gonna find new ways of doing things. And that's kind of, you could argue what business should be doing. And other people would argue that people that do lose their jobs during this period can find new jobs only problem there is how long does that take but yeah I think for me anyway and it depends on your view on life and where you are financially I think most people should be you know thinking about reducing discretionary spend I don't think you should remove it I I don't believe in being mean to yourself I think it's very important to reward yourself for the hard work you're doing especially now because it's only going to get harder most people are working harder and longer Um, you know costs that you have to keep so it's not discretionary you know shop around these are the basics guys but shop around for cheaper deals. You know, right now, you never know, there might be discounts going. Um, from what I'm hearing, Nike are, are giving out discounts, but I'm not saying Nike is something you need to be spending on. That would be discretionary in my opinion, but I'm me in it. I'm an old man. Um, sweat your assets. That's the term you'll hear in the finance world. And it's kind of just, you know, if you was going to buy a new laptop, a new car, wherever it may be, maybe you put off on that decision for a few months to see what happens or get a feel for what, or how the economy is going to work, and you know how likely it will be that your income could be impacted by that. Um, and then the last one is just budget, 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 budget. And I think you know the main thing I would say is budget with a goal. So whether it's building your rainy day fund, um, whether it's having a certain amount to make an investment, because. I think throughout this, I've mainly focused on having to pay debts when they fall due. But you know, another issue with not being liquid is you'll miss out on good opportunities. So at right now, there's a number of you know, businesses that might be going for cheap because they're going they're going bust or they're very liquid. There's going to be properties coming on the market because there's nowhere, no one to go into them. So you may be able to get property for cheaper both for commercial or residential property, you really. but no, this is just theories, right? This is, none of this is financial advice, obviously. Um, but if you haven't got the cash available right now, you miss that opportunity. And that's, opportunity cost is something I think isn't focused on enough in financial literacy. Um, mainly because it's not something you had, but yeah, losing opportunities can definitely impact your future. So I think it's something you should be aware of. And that's it, guys. That's it, man. I think it's generally understanding that businesses are trying to save money right now. And we should be doing the same thing. And right, Take care. Peace.